It's time for Ms. The Wiz Montalban Fantasy Football Podcast, the best place to go to get all your fantasy football news, analysis, and advice to dominate your league. Breaking news alert! Burke and Miz talk off-season signings. Please call the police if you see anyone suspicious not listening to this podcast. Smashing right into the breaking news. Really want to get this caught up since we only have our show every week and a half or so. Running back Giovanni Bernard signs with the Buccaneers. Now, that's just, it's crazy. You know, the, the backfield situation in Tampa Bay was already really bad. And I don't mean bad as in they didn't have any running backs. It's they had too many running backs. You add uh, Giovanni Bernard in there, I, I think he kind of takes over that James White role that they had in New England because Giovanni's a pretty good receiving running back. But who's going to mess with this backfield? I mean, you're probably going to draft someone, or someone will, between Fournette, Ronald Jones, Giovanni Bernard. But who is that going to be? And it wouldn't surprise me if one of them just kind of stands head and shoulders above everyone else and turns out to be the guy and actually has a decent season. But you're really looking at a 33% shot on whoever you draft. And outside of that... Um, my big issue with it is, you know, you still have Keyshawn Vaughn, the rookie, who you, I think will, you know, you incorporate a little bit more into the, you know, the running back situation. I mean, there's just, what, there's just too many running backs. And I'm going to stay away from that situation because you're probably going to be drafting a running back way too high in that backfield if you, uh, if you're looking at uh, drafting one of them. So, uh, great team, a lot of weapons. Scary situation, and uh, good for Giovanni Bernard. He gets to go to a team, you know, going from the Bengals, who are perennial losers, to a team that's uh, just won the Super Bowl. Got to feel good about that, so I I don't blame the guy for making that move. Patriot wide receiver Julian Edelman announced his retirement, and it was kind of crazy because the Patriots released him, and you're like, oh no, you know, he's he's dealing with that uh, knee injury, but is he going to be coming back to another team? Does he still have anything left in the tank? Well, the very next day, he kind of put all those uh, questions to rest by just retiring, and uh, he doesn't have anything left. I mean, you, you saw how he performed the last couple seasons, and Patriots didn't have a playmaker, and he wasn't one of them um, just because of his injury. Big, uh, The big thing with Patriots fans is, of course, now they're going, well, Edelman's a Hall of Famer. You see his postseason success and how well he did, and he's a Hall of Famer. Julian Edelman is not a Hall of Famer. If he makes it into the Hall of Fame in Canton, then they need to call it the Hall of Average or Very Good. I mean, I compare it to Heinz Ward. Heinz Ward was a great player. Actually, head and shoulders statistically above Julian Edelman, and he's never getting in. So what makes people think Julian Edelman's getting in? I mean, there's and there's always wide receivers ready to, you know, that are eligible that are worthy of getting into the Hall of Fame. I mean, you got Torrey Holt, you got uh, Reggie Wayne. He's got all these receivers that uh, are definitely going to be in before any of, you know, Heinz Ward or Julian Edelman type players are going to get in. And by that time, there's going to be more wide receivers eligible that are going to be more desert- deserving. So let's put that Julian Edelman Hall of Fame talk to rest. He was a good player. You can put him in your, uh, you know, team Hall of Fame if you have one somewhere. But uh, definitely not uh, all-time great. Right, uh, running back James Conner, 
of this, formerly of the Steelers, signs with the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, people are freaking out, thinking that this really kills uh, Chase Edmonds' uh, value, fantasy football value. I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum. You know, I got to watch James Conner play with the Steelers, and I don't necessarily think the lack of rushing was the fault of James Conner. I definitely think it was a group effort with uh, how bad that offensive line uh, ran block last year for the Steelers. So I definitely think James Conner will do better than he did with the Steelers. But I still think it's Chase Edmonds' show. I think Chase Edmonds is a better back. He's obviously more durable. James Conner can't stay healthy. So I don't think this bumps Chase Edmonds down the board for me at all. In fact, I'm still pretty confident in drafting him. If you can get him in in the third round, uh, early fourth round, I would jump all over that. I I just think that he's going to be uh, in line to uh, get the majority of those those targets in that backfield. So I like James Conner as a person. I like him as a running back. Uh, He just can't stay healthy. And uh, I really think Chase Edmonds is the is the the play in that backfield. Brown sign edge rusher Jadevion Clowney. Sorry, I can't uh, say his first name. But uh, Jadevion, it was a one-year, $8 million deal. And I don't think this really helps him necessarily. I know it's a big-time signing because of the name. You know, he's the number one overall pick for the Texans. But the last couple years, he's been hurt and not that productive. So you're paying a guy $8 million for the name. And I really think there's a lot cheaper guys on the edge that are going to uh, be more productive than Clowney. Uh, we'll see if uh, he puts that injury behind him and he gets back to his uh, form of three or four years ago. But it's been a while since he's been a productive NFL player. So I'm not, uh, I'm not as high on the signing as everybody else. I, I just think he's a guy and a guy that you pay too much for. Browns released defensive tackle Sheldon Richardson. And that was to free up money for Jadeveon Clowney. Sheldon Richardson, he's a good defensive tackle. Didn't really do much for the Browns. Um, he, I can see why the Browns, you know, kind of left that money on the table. They, it's great savings. They have guys that can already fill that role. Sheldon Richardson wasn't going to be that guy. The only thing I don't like about it is the timing of it. Sheldon Richardson went through, you know, the whole offseason on the roster, and then it's like right before the draft, you cut him, and he doesn't really have anywhere to go. A lot of teams are already done making their uh, moves before the draft, so we'll see where he ends up maybe after the draft, but he's in a tough spot, and it's not really fair, but the NFL's not fair. It's the way it goes. Washington football team QB Alex Smith, he retired, which means he completely retired. I really think it was due to a lack of interest. Uh, the Washington football team are one of the few to give him a chance after that injury. I think all the other teams are scared to death about that injury. So he realizes the writing's on the wall. Washington football team's not going to have him back. No one else wants him right now. But it's still a great story. I mean, to come back from that type of injury and be a productive quarterback in the NFL, I really have a lot of respect for Alex Smith and that journey that he took Uh off of that injury you're not going to see a, 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 probably another player in our lifetime to uh come back from something like that so it's really a testament of his will and determination to to do something like that but he has nothing left to prove i mean he did it it was a great story and uh retirement's probably best for him at this moment tight end jordan reed he announced his retirement formerly of the washington football team via the san francisco 49ers last year he was always a really good playmaking tight end. 
And for fantasy football, if you've been playing it a long time, you know how uh, maddening he was. He'd always get you the points that you needed, really productive, but then he was always hurt. And you kind of had to juggle between him having great uh, great games to him being hurt consistently. So if he was on your team, you probably had a couple tight ends, which you didn't like to roster. But uh, it was worth it for him because, again, his production at, at tight end was, I mean, he was he's an athletic freak. He was fun to watch. But, uh, again, injuries caught up with him. He's had too many of them. And uh, I think retiring was the right move. You know, he's being, for San Francisco, he's behind George Kittle and even, you know, Ross Dwelly spit ta- uh, split time with last year. So I just think there's nothing left in the tank for Jordan Reed. But that's what happens. Injuries catch up to you in the NFL. And uh, sometimes you have to retire a little bit sooner than what you think. So that about does it for our breaking news. And let's get right into our 2021 NFL mock draft of the first round. It's time for our 2021 NFL mock draft. Let's get it started. So this is going to be the 2021 NFL Mock Draft. This is uh, us predicting what we think the first round is going to be, how it's going to shake out, and uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a fun exercise. Obviously, everyone's inundated with mock drafts this time of year, but, uh, I mean, pretty much all year. No one ever stops mock drafting, especially with the NFL. NFL does the draft better than anybody, and I think it's partly because it's players that you've heard of before. You've got to watch in college, so it's a little more exciting and provides a little more hope for your NFL team that you're cheering for. But having said that, it's exciting for me because this is the first episode of season three of our podcast, season premiere. And to think when I first started this podcast two years ago that uh, I'd be doing a third season is, is pretty nuts. So I'm pretty excited about that and I appreciate all you guys for listening. It, uh, you know, if it wasn't for the listeners, I wouldn't be in season three, that's for sure. So appreciate all the follows, the listens, and uh, let's just get right into the mock draft. First pick, and actually the first couple picks is pretty easy, uh, but I have the Jacksonville Jaguars taking Trevor Lawrence. He's consensus number one. He's actually not my consensus number one. I like Justin Fields the best. He's my number one quarterback, but in all NFL circles, Trevor Will- or Trevor Lawrence is the number one QB, so I definitely expect Jacksonville to go that way. Not a lot to uh, debate on this one, so we won't get into it too much, but that's the number one pick. Number two, all signs point to the Jets drafting Zach Wilson from BYU. They like Zach Wilson. They go, uh, it seems like a sure thing. They watched his workout, and then they traded Sam Darnold, so I don't see how they don't go anywhere but uh, except with Zach Wilson here. I'm not big on Zach Wilson. He's actually not even my top five quarterbacks. But, uh, you know, Jets might see something that uh, I don't. And uh, I'm not saying it's a bad pick. It's just uh, the way the Jets are going to go. Number three, I'm really on the fence about this one with the 49ers. They're really doing a good job of keeping it close to the vest. I don't know if they're going to go with Justin Fields, Mac Jones, or Trey Lance. And... I all signs point that they're really like Mac Jones and they traded up that high for Mac Jones. I just I can't buy it for some reason. I mean, if you went to the third spot, you know you're gonna get one of those three. I think Mac Jones is like 
at least the consensus number five quarterback. He's like the last quarterback to be taken in the first round um, based off our rankings. And I actually have Mac Jones lower than that. I, I mean, I like him, but he played for a really good team with talent around him. Uh, he's a game manager. And in today's NFL, I think you need more than that to be successful uh, consistently. And I don't know if Mac Jones has that. But, I mean, if that's what the Niners are looking at, I mean, he, he does kind of, uh, I guess, fit that Jimmy Garoppolo mold a little bit. But uh, I am going off the rails a little bit on this one. I'm going Trey Lance. I just think that uh, with the way the Niners are trying to uh, utilize their offense with, you know, the, the receivers do a good job at uh, doing the jet sweeps and the screens and, uh, you know, the rushing attack. I think Trey Lance plays more into that rushing attack to make them more versatile than what Mac Jones would. And I just think that uh, they're willing to take a risk on him. And having Jimmy Garoppolo, I think they can develop him and make him into a decent quarterback. Because if Trey Lance goes anywhere where uh, he needs to go in right away and produce, uh, I think he's going to set back his development quite a bit so we're going Trey Lance number three 49ers now number four uh, I think there's going to be a trade so I think there's going to be a trade with the Panthers and we'll get to that later um, but the number four pick Panthers trading up and there's a lot of rumors about Panthers trying to trade down and uh, get more picks and I just don't buy it. The Panthers are really trying to move on from Teddy Bridgewater, and I don't think they'll be able to do that without getting a top-of-the-line quarterback. They're, they don't have to move too far. It's four spots. Granted, they'll probably have to give up a first-round pick next year, but that's definitely worth it with uh, getting your franchise quarterback. So I believe the Carolina Panthers move up and get Justin Fields, Ohio State quarterback. And he... Uh, He's my favorite quarterback in the draft. I mean, he didn't throw it downfield very often, but at Ohio State's offense, they didn't ask him to. I know people are like, well, Ohio State quarterbacks really don't do much in the NFL. But Justin Fields came from Georgia, and Georgia does have really good quarterbacks that come into the NFL. So I'm not holding that against him. I think Panthers move up to number four, take Justin Fields, which pretty much leaves the board wide open. If you need a skill position or a lineman, I mean, you have your pick of the litter. So any team not looking for a quarterback really is probably liking this draft so far. Um, number five goes to the Cincinnati Bengals. And I'm thinking they're going to take a Penn Sewell from Oregon, the offensive tackle. He's a beast. He took the year off, but uh, he still was the consensus number one tackle. That's who they wanted in the first place going into the year. And, you know, people were worried that they were winning, that they would lose or, you know, lose out on the chance to draft him. Well, they get him based off of everyone's run at quarterback, and he's still sitting there at five, so they happily go up to the board and get uh, Penny Sewell. Then number six, it's uh, the Miami Dolphins. And there's rumors that they're trying to trade out of that spot. And I get it, that would actually be a good place for them to trade out of, especially if someone wanted a quarterback. I don't believe they're going to do that, though. I th you know, I think they're going to try to make Tua Tagovailoa happy. I see them going after Devonta Smith, wide receiver from Alabama. I know he's the first wide receiver taking, and everyone's on the Jamar Chase train, thinking he'd be the number one. But, I mean, Henry Ruggs went number one receiver with the Raiders last year and wasn't the consensus number one receiver. I just think that uh, Devonta Smith, he has a rapport with Tua already. He, uh, you know, he was a stud at Alabama. I mean, you can't, uh, he's, is he small? He is small, but 
You, you can't deny his playmaking ability. I, I think the Dolphins jump at the chance to get Devonta Smith, and I don't think Jamar Chase is the number one receiver, uh, you know, consensus like everyone thinks he is. I mean, he's a great receiver, uh, but there's there's some parts to his game that uh, I, I I can see him being uh, maybe not panning out as you know the the guy. Uh, he could be a good receiver, but I, I definitely can see him like with my rankings, I have him. Uh, at number three right now and that's even thinking that he has potential to be a bust but uh anyway moving on to number seven with the detroit lions is, is jamar chase lsu wide receiver gotta like jamar chase he uh is a stud and definitely you know there's he can he can catch balls in traffic uh, but I think the big thing about Jamar Chase, too, is I, I think a lot of the time that he got open, it was due to the scheme of the offense. And he didn't really do a lot of, uh, he didn't get open on his own. And that's something I'm concerned about at the next level. Uh, he's, you know, he's great, great threat, big playability. Um, I'm worried about his ability to get open in the NFL. That's that's uh that's it that's why i have him ranked a little bit lower than some people but at number seven lions def- desperately need a wide receiver it makes too much sense here again jamar chase is the top rated receiver in most people's draft boards so you got to take him at number seven number eight that's where the falcons moved down from the panthers moved up to get justin fields so the falcons def- desperately need secondary help they just got burned over and over again in that secondary they tried to fix it a couple years ago, well, more than a couple years ago, when, uh, you know, they got Alford and uh, uh, trying to think of the other cornerback they got. Can't remember off the top of my head. But anyways, uh, didn't really pan out. And so it's still a need in their secondary. They're going to get Patrick Sertain, too, um, and from the University of Alabama. This is a good pick because, you know, he's the son of Patrick Sertain, uh, Jr., and he was a dominant cornerback in the NFL for for a while. Really con- solid, consistent player. And if you're uh, as old as me, you, you're going to remember uh, Patrick Sertain and and uh, how well he was, you know, how well he played cornerback. And his son is pretty similar, and he's a big body too for cornerback. So this is a good move by the Falcons. They need to shore that up. It's a must, especially with that offense. And uh, I think they address that in the first round. Number nine, the Denver Broncos. A lot of ways I could have went here. I mean, a lot of people think, oh, Mac Jones is on the board. They need a quarterback, but I don't think they do that. I think, you know, that those top four guys that were already drafted, Broncos might have considered if they were available. They are not, so they're going to go offensive line and get Rashawn Slater. Best offensive lineman in the draft, in my opinion. The most versatile, can play center, guard, tackle, you name it, wherever you need him, and he's good. He's really good, and so I think this is a steal by the Broncos at the spot. Rashawn Slater is actually rated my number one offensive lineman in the draft, and the Broncos are giddy at the chance to uh, draft him to really help out that offense because, you know, they got a lot of talent, uh, but they need to give quarterback some time, whether it's Drew Locke or whoever, and uh, really uh, I think this shores up that offensive line for the Broncos. Number 10 is J.C. Horn, South Carolina, son of Joe Horn. Uh, from, uh, yeah, cornerback, 
Cowboys need a lot of help. They need help in the secondary. They need help on defense in general. I was thinking of a linebacker here, but J.C. Horn just makes too much sense for the Cowboys. I, I, I get Kyle Pitts is still there, and that might be a fit for the Cowboys, but, I mean, are you just going to load up on your offense and ignore your defense? I mean, the reason why the Cowboys couldn't win last year, Sands, uh, Dak Prescott, was because of their defense. So, got to shore that up a little bit. J.C. Horn is the best cornerback available. That's where they go. Then number 11, uh, this person, I think, slips a little bit because there's some character concerns because he was involved in a hazing incident at Penn State, but it's uh, inside linebacker Micah Parsons to the Giants. Uh, he teams up with uh, Saquon Barkley on on the uh, opposite side of the ball. Great linebacker, probably the, the best middle linebacker in the draft, maybe best linebacker in the draft. He just does it all. He did opt out last year, so I think that helped him slip a little bit. And then, again, you had those character concerns. But Giants getting him and showing up that linebacker spot, uh, I think that's a really great move by the Giants and really going to uh, solidify that defense a little bit and make uh, the Giants a better team. Uh, I know, obviously, they would like tight end with uh, Evan Ingram kind of being a disappointment so far. But, I mean, you go and sure up your defense. And I, I get Kyle Pitts is there, but you can get the best linebacker. You, you take him. So number 12 is Jalen Waddell uh, from Alabama. Goes to the Eagles here. And the Eagles really need receiving help. They basically lost everybody. Uh, I mean, they have, what, Greg Ward coming back? J.J. Arcega-Whiteside? I just, uh, Eagles need some help at wide receiver. They need playmakers. They don't have Carson Wentz anymore. So, you know, Jalen Hurts is going to be the guy. He, they need to get some weapons around Jalen Hurts. And uh, Waddle is the best wide receiver left on the board, so that's where they go. And that's not bad. I mean, this wide receiver class for the last well, last three wide receiver classes have just been amazing. So you're getting a lot of great talent from the college ranks at wide receiver. And uh, Eagles need it, and that's where they go on this pick. Number 13, Chargers are in a different position. They really need offensive line help badly. And uh, they need to protect their asset in Justin Herbert. So they go after Christian Derrissaw, Virginia Tech, offensive tackle, big guy. And uh, I have him actually ranked second. I have Sewell third. So this is a great move by the Chargers. Really needed. Need to, like I said, you need to protect Herbert. Uh, it's a no-brainer for me. That I think this is the Chargers' biggest need, and they fill it with a really good player. So moving on to 14 with the Minnesota Vikings, we have uh, Awusu uh, Koromoa, Notre Dame linebacker. And here's the thing. Awusu Koromoa, uh, you know, hyphen two last names, two last names that are hard to pronounce. Vikings don't necessarily, it isn't like a high need for the Vikings, but Vikings defense was pretty horrid, and they wanted to control the clock, run the ball, and they weren't able to do that last year because their defense was just leaky, giving up a lot of points, giving up a lot of yards. Having that guy in the middle that can move sideline to sideline is really going to improve that defense. And then also in the passing game, it's uh, going to uh, close up that middle of the field that the Vikings were so susceptible to. So I, I let, think they go here, and it really helps that defense out. And, you know, with, uh, uh, I don't know. I just think that uh, this is what the Vikings need to do. They have a really good offense. They can do, you know, obviously we can see, we saw that they can pass the ball. Dalvin Cook's a beast. 
go with the defense, shore that up, and it will make the Vikings more competitive. Um, going to number 15, I have Mac Jones to the Patriots. Uh, Mac Jones kind of took a drop, and this is, I mean, I, I don't think Mac Jones is a first-round quarterback, but obviously he's, a lot of people are rating him as such. Patriots really need a quarterback. You know, they have one year of Cam Newton. They need to get something here. Top four already taken. There's not much left. So they're they're going to go after Mac Jones and try to develop him as the next uh, quarterback. And he kind of fits that prototype that New England looks for. Quarterback that uh, can manage a game and be smart with the football. So uh, I think this is a good fit with Mac Jones and the Patriots. And Patriots definitely get the their biggest need in, in the first round here. So this is crazy, but this goes down to number 16. And it's the Arizona Cardinals. And they go after Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts is the tight end from Florida. Probably one of the best playmakers in this draft. Top three talent. Why does he slip to 16? I just think he's a tight end. The run on quarter uh, quarterbacks, a lot of the teams ahead of them don't really need a tight end, and they have other pressing needs. Arizona has the luxury to draft him, and they do. And if you can imagine that offense with uh, Hopkins and Kirk, uh, you're going to have Isabella, and I just I really like the addition of Kyle Pitts uh, as a tight end and really, uh, you know, opening up that middle of the field. I mean, you have A.J. Green that just signed there, uh, even though, you know, time will tell if he's done or not. So Kyle Pitts is the guy, and it's, it's I mean, they're going to run to the podium to see him still there and take him. Then 17, the Raiders are going to be the Raiders, and they're going to get a guy that everyone's going to be like, man, they really reached for, and they're going to do it again here. They're going to go get Jason Owa from Penn State, outside linebacker. And why are they going to get him? Because he ran an insane 40 time at his pro day. Raiders like speed. They need help on the uh, on the edge. And ever since they got rid of um, uh, Mac, uh, Khalil Mack, they've been uh, hurting at the uh, on the edge. And they're going to get the fastest guy. He doesn't have any sacks though, and that's my big concern. Like he's a specimen. He's disruptive in the backfield, but hasn't been able to get any sacks. So is that going to translate to the the NFL? Raiders are going to hope so. They're going to reach here and go after Jason Noah. And uh, we'll, we'll see if that pans out for him. Number 18, Dolphins, they want to get a running back. And Najee Harris is kind of uh, rumored to be at this spot. But I don't think it's the case. I think that they're going to go after Travis Etienne from Clemson. And... He's a dynamic back. I just, you know, receiving, rushing, he's a playmaker, I think, for what the Dolphins are looking for, especially with Tua, that he fits what they were trying to do. And they go after Travis uh, Etienne. And it's, it's a good pick by the Dolphins. They're able, you know, Miles Gaskins, you know, I almost had the Dolphins going defensive line, but there just wasn't anyone um, that I, I felt deserved to be that high. I think they can wait to the second round. And, you know, obviously offensive line they could go. But, I, again, I, I think that uh, they have a chance to get a playmaker to put with uh, Miles Gaskins. And especially with the extra game, having 17-week season, you're going to need more than one running back. So this move just makes a lot of sense. And the Dolphins go with Travis Etienne. Number 19 is Tevin Jenkins, Oklahoma State tackle. Just a beast. Washington football team, shoring up that offensive line. 
they wanted a quarterback. They weren't able to get it. So why not shore up that line and uh, just, you know, you play good defense, maybe try to uh, shift a little bit more to kind of a rushing attack to uh, keep your offense on the field a little bit more. And Jenkins, I think, is one of the top tackles in the draft. I have him raked as like the fourth best. And I, I think Washington football team, he kind of fits that mold of what they'll be looking for. So uh, good move there. Number 20, Chicago Bears. Uh, you know, are they going to trade up for a quarterback too? They're kind of in the same boat as Washington football team. I don't think they do. Quarterbacks are gone. So the Bears go after Elijah Vera Tucker from USC. He's plays all positions. He's versatile like Slater. He's more of a guard in the NFL. And for the Bears, that offensive line really needs addressed, and more so than anything. So I think they go here. Smart pick. It's not going to be a sexy pick, but it's going to be a pick that uh, it's going to help the Bears uh, be a better team. So that's where they go here. Indianapolis Colts, uh, I really wanted them to get an offensive lineman here. There just wasn't any available that I thought would be a good pick for them right here. Uh, so, I mean, the top defensive lineman on the in the draft is sitting there for them. So I think they go after him. Christian Barmore, Alabama defensive tackle, can play the end tackle everywhere. Very really versatile. The only issue I have with him is he didn't play every down for the the uh, Crimson Tide, and that's concerning. But again, he played at Alabama, so I mean they have you know the the best talent there. So I mean if it was another team like you know Northwestern or something, I might be more concerned. But uh, the Colts aren't going to pass on the chance to get the best defensive lineman. They need some help there. You know, that Colts defense is pretty solid, and uh, I think it continues to be. So why not make a strength, a bigger strength, and uh, shore up that uh, defensive line a little bit more? Tennessee Titans at number 22. They go after Terrence Marshall Jr., LSU. And I like Terrence Marshall. I think he's a good receiver. Uh, people are, uh, you know, not as high on on. Terrence Marshall, but I think he's a perfect fit for the tight, uh, Titans and what they're trying to do. He's a playmaker. You put Marshall with A.J. Brown, and that's really scary. Really gives Tannehill some uh, some weapons, especially since the Titans lost Corey Davis, Adam Humphreys, uh, basically everybody but A.J. Brown. Uh, Titans are definitely in the market for a wide receiver, and I think Terrace, uh, Terrace Marshall Jr. fits the mold better than anyone at this spot, so... That would be exciting to see. Just uh, He's a playmaker, and I'd actually like him a little bit better than uh, Chase, to be honest. But that's just me. Um, number 23 is the Jets, and I think they go cornerback here. Their, their defense wasn't bad. I felt like they were you know a little bit leaky uh, in the cornerback positions. So I, I think they go Caleb Farley here from uh, Virginia Tech. He's sitting there, you know, he took the year off, so I think this helped him slide. There's in, there's rumors about a back injury. If it wasn't for those, he would be one of the he'd be probably the top cornerback taken. So the fact that he's over there at 23, Jets definitely fills a need. I think they jump to the podium and get Caleb Farley and uh, really help that uh, secondary out and make the Jets. I mean, Jets will have a good base, and especially having uh, Salih as their uh, head coach. He's a defensive-minded coach, so I definitely think they go that way and just try to make that defense as solid as possible. And um, yeah, they already got their uh, their quarterback, so they go uh, go after you know solidify that defense. Number twenty-four for Pittsburgh Steelers. Now this is a no-brainer. They get Najee Harris, running back, Alabama. 
Steelers need a running game. It was horrible. It's actually what uh, was their downfall down the stretch. You know, Roethlisberger was passing the ball like 76% of the time at the end of the season. They couldn't run the ball. They pretty much gave up on running the ball. The offensive line didn't look interested running the ball. Something they need to address, and I think part of that was they didn't have a dynamic back to be able to do that. So with this pick, they do, you know, they they take their biggest need, get Najee Harris, get one of the top uh, running backs in the draft, knowing that they won't be able to do that in the second round. And uh, it's it's kind of a no-brainer for me because it's the only position they didn't address in the offseason, and I think they're going all in on running back this year. Number 25, the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think they go after Greg Newsom II from Northwestern. Greg Newsom II is a beast of a cornerback. I I like his game a lot. He's just steady Eddie, consistent, uh, physical, and he's someone the Jaguars can uh, really make the Jaguars better. Jaguars gave up a lot of yards. Their defense wasn't as good as you know, you're used to for Jacksonville defenses for a stretch there. They, you know, their, their defense was really solid. One of the best in the NFL. And that really fell off. And, uh, you know, they, they got uh, Henderson last year. So I think you get Newsom this year and you're really locking down those cornerback spots for, for years to come with that pick. Number 26 for the Cleveland Browns. It's quite pay uh, from Michigan edge guy. I really think he's a 4-3 guy, defensive end. Um, but it makes a lot of sense here for the Browns. You put him a, on the other side of Miles Garrett and that's going to cause a lot of havoc. You know, they they seen what the Steelers did with Dupree and Watt last year. The Browns didn't really have that. I mean, uh, Vernon Olivier was a, a decent edge guy, but um, I think Pay is the guy and uh, it's a it's a solid pick. It's not a pick that you're excited about if you're a Browns fan, but it's a pick that makes them better. You know they they solidified their offensive line last year. They have a good running game. Um, their receivers are are decent. I I think this pay pick makes a lot of sense here. Number twenty seven for the Baltimore Ravens. It's Georgia outside linebacker Aziz Ajilari, and I like his game. He's fast. He's disruptive. He's a playmaker. He's actually undervalued, I think. I think he can go higher than this. He's a top edge rusher in the draft. They jump on that. The Ravens' defense was decent last year, but they definitely lost some bite on their pass rush uh, from both the middle linebacker and outside linebacker spots. So I I think this really shores up that defense a little bit and uh, gives them a pass rusher that they desperately need. Number 28, the Saints... I just can't see them not going wide receiver here. I mean, I know that they got Michael Thomas, but uh, outside of that, I didn't see a lot of production from their receivers or guys that they can rely on. They need a solid number two that could potentially be a number one, uh, especially if uh, they start to sour Michael Thomas after last season. So I'm going Rashad Bateman, Minnesota wide receiver. Now, he's rated a little bit lower in some circles, but I think a lot of NFL teams really like Bateman, and he's going to be a first-round pick for somebody. And he makes a lot of sense here for the Saints to have a a type of receiver like Bateman on the other side of Thomas that makes him really lethal, whether it's uh, Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston being the the quarterback. Um, You know, if if Winston actually wins out the way he chucks the ball, uh, this could be a really good pick for them. So you need those weapons. I think the Saints work on getting those weapons. 
and they go with Rashad Bateman. Number 29, I have Zayvon Collins uh, from Tulsa, middle linebacker. You, they got the Smith brothers on the outside. They provide a great pass rush, and I, I feel like their weakness is the middle of the field. Collins, I, I feel like he's the type of linebacker that can really do a lot of damage there. He uh, potentially could be the best middle linebacker in the draft, depending on uh, you know Parsons and how he develops. So I, I think the Packers get a steal here. I think Collins is one of the best linebackers, and you know obviously came from a smaller school at Tulsa, so you worry about competition. But I mean his measurables are just through the roof, and this is a great pick. So he's standing there. They have no, you know, they might have other needs, but you don't pass up on them. You know, he's sitting there for the Packers. They're going to take him and be really giddy about it. Uh, number 30, the Buffalo Bills, you know, they need a running back. Devin Singletary wasn't getting it done. Still on the fence about Zach Moss, and he had a lot of injuries. So I think they go with Javante Williams at North Carolina here. And I really like that pick. I like Javante Williams a lot. He's actually my favorite running back in the draft. North Carolina, he can do it all. Uh, I think he's the guy, and uh, it's really going to help that Bills offense because the Bills were one-dimensional. They could really only get rushing yards from the quarterback. I don't think they want to do that, uh, especially get, you know putting Josh Allen at risk like that through a whole course of a season. So Javante Williams is a great pick here and makes a lot of sense. Number 31, I have the Kansas City Chiefs helping with that offensive line. They, you know lost most of their line uh willingly of course but they still need to re replenish that line so i think they go after stone forsyth florida tackle and he's rated a little bit higher here than uh, what a lot of places have him i just like him a lot i think that uh he's a beast of an offensive tackle he's six eight lot to work with there chiefs see that potential i think they jump all over it especially at the end of the first round it's a uh, it's a smart pick and uh they jump all over the fact that they can get him there at 31. And then number 32, the Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think they stick with that same theme of offensive line. They need some offensive line help, and they draft Alex Leatherwood, uh, offensive tackle slash guard from Alabama. You know, he played offensive tackle in Alabama, uh, but some people are projecting him to move inside to guard, thinking he'd be a better guard. I don't know what he, Tampa Bay will draft him for. Either one will work. Uh, will help shore up that offensive line and give them a solid guy who had a lot of production. And uh, definitely, you know, at the end of the first round is a is a good, uh, solid pick that could uh, end up uh, being better than where they drafted him. So, uh, But also he has a high bust potential as well. So, again, that's why I think the risk is worth it because if you're going to get a guy that has high ceiling, could be a bust as well, uh, this is the spot to get him is at the end of the first. So that does it for our mock draft. A um, couple things, you know, quarterback. Uh, I'm really high on Jamie Newman for Georgia, previously of Wake Forest. He hasn't played in a couple years. You know, he was at Wake Forest, transferred to Georgia, sat out, then sat out because of COVID. I think he can make all the NFL throws. There's questions on his decision-making. You know, I think he was rusty in his pro days. And, uh, but what I saw of him at Wake Forest, he looked like an NFL quarterback to me. So I have him at like number three at quarterback and I'm sticking my neck out there, but I really like him. And, uh, I, running back, obviously 
uh, Javante Williams, best my favorite running back. Uh, I think uh, he's not being underrated anymore. He's climbing up draft boards, which he should be. Uh, he could be probably the best running back uh, when it's all said and done in this draft. And, uh, you know, th- there's a, a lot of offensive linemen, offensive tackles, really good offensive tackles this draft. So I think you're going to see a lot of guys, you know, getting, you know, first, second round, trying to scoop up all those uh, all the spots. But I think there's really good value later on in the draft as well. And that's the same as receiver. I think it's really top-heavy with a lot of talent. You know, there's Rondell Moore from Purdue we didn't even mention, but I think he's a receiver that's better than uh, and is going to produce better than where he's drafted. But then I think there's a quick fall off too. I think everyone else is just a guy, you know, past that third round. So if you don't get a receiver after the third round, I, I don't. I mean, I think you can get some production from receiver, but I don't see like you know like these past two drafts where you can get some really good uh, value late that uh, from guys that are going to produce right away. Um, and uh, yeah, linebacker. I think it's a pretty weak linebacker class on the edge. Not a lot of outside linebackers interior linemen like centers there's good centers but i don't think there's any like top rated centers i think everyone's pretty much the same like you can get a really good center second round you can get a really good center fifth round so it depends on where you want one but i don't think there's a lot of discrepancy between the centers i like drake uh, drake jackson i mean he's a little small in size but i think he's one of the uh he's one of my top centers i just liked watching him he was solid and uh yeah he played really well and then um you know, obviously Creed Humphrey is my favorite center in the draft. I like him over Landon Dickerson just because Dickerson's injuries are pretty concerning. And uh, I think Trey Hill has a lot of potential, you know, uh, later on in the draft in the middle rounds. And then at uh, uh, middle linebacker, Chaz Serrett, really like him a lot. Jamin Davis, Jamin Davis, however you want to pronounce it. Uh, I think he's one of my favorite middle linebackers. I think he's solid. He could be a first-round pick, actually. Um, and he should be watching his tape. I mean, he was going like in the early on in the third round and I'm like, this is a steal. Anyone getting Davis, uh, you know, from Kentucky that late in the draft. Well, now it's starting to even out a little bit and he's going a little bit higher. You know, he's, he's like late first, second round linebacker. And that's where he should go because you watch his tape and he doesn't have any flaws. So I'm wondering why he's not getting a lot more play than what he's, uh, been, uh, been getting so far in this process. And then cornerback. I mean, I, I think, you know, there's a, a bunch of guys that are solid, but there's not anyone that really excites me at cornerback past the first round. You know, after Farley uh, and maybe Newsom, there's, you know, uh, Campbell from Georgia, Stokes from Georgia. Um, there's there's really just uh, a bunch of guys for me. Um, they, they could be solid, but uh, help your team, but nothing that I would be – really excited about a cornerback but it's 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 a deep draft obviously for tackle wide receiver and uh yeah that's uh where I, you know tight end uh that's the problem with tight end now is they're just becoming glorified receivers big bodies they're, you know tommy tremble can block so i like him a lot i think he's a has a lot of potential i think kyle pitts has the potential to block he's not there yet so that's why he's my number one tight end but you get in like freermouth Brevin Jordan, like those guys can't block, and Jordan's undersized. Freeman's not undersized, but um, I think people are going to be drafting them, and 
going to have to put them in strictly passing situations. So that's why I think the tight end class is kind of depleted. I like uh, Tony uh, Pouljon from Virginia a lot with his blocking. Uh, I think uh, he's underrated, and he's going to be a better tight end than what uh, you know than where he ends up being drafted. Um, and uh, you know Trey McKitty's a decent blocking uh, tight end from Georgia. So there's some guys, but you're either getting a blocking guy or a receiving guy, and you got to decide what you need for your team. So that's my analysis on tight ends. And uh, overall, it'll be a fun draft. We'll uh, see how this shakes out, obviously, uh, this coming up Thursday. And uh, again, appreciate you all listening to our season premiere. And uh, what better way to start off the season than uh, getting right into the 2021 NFL draft. So, again, let's get going. This is Ms. The Wiz Montalban Fantasy Football Podcast. You listened, but now we're done. So thank you for listening to our season premiere of season three. We'll uh, follow back up with uh, after the draft on how teams did and uh, how that might affect your fantasy football teams moving forward. But in the meantime, enjoy the draft. And, uh, you know, good luck to your favorite team. And we'll catch you next week. Cheers.